Second if Rodgers is out for the year, Jets fans will never forget this day. <laughs> Welcome to the Survivor Turning Back Time podcast, the only Survivor podcast that has so many feels. That's such a fucking bummer. What a, what a bummer, dude. I'm your host, Steve Levine, with my co-host, Jared Shelton. Jared, you feel like a bummer? God, yeah, I feel like shit. <laughs> we just finished watching it like five minutes ago, and I'm so sad. <laughs> we watched it. I dragged him in here. He was crying. He had to wipe away the tears a little bit. I did get a little teary-eyed. Uh, yeah, it's a very sad episode. Damn. Um... <laughs> uh, so, I, I kind of set you up for a, a something before this episode, because we were talking about how, what if we throw a little a little wrinkle in the game? Yeah, I mean, it is, obviously. Yes. It's not I, a good wrinkle. No. A couple things. I do think she was the first vote in her tribe anyway. Probably. Probably. It could be Hatch, but probably. Secondly, there's only two winners left now. Ethan mm. and Hatch. Hmm. There you go. <laughs> Two of the first three people to go were winners, but one of them under weird circumstances. Yeah. Who of the two do you think goes further? Hatch. Okay. Yeah. He's better at the game. That's fair. Ethan, <laughs> Ethan made one move so far, which was shut up. <laughs> shut up. Let Rupert build shelter. Let Rupert shoot himself in the foot repeatedly over and over and over. <laughs> yeah. See, this is even like, okay, so like, there are episodes where we've had, where the tone has been very different from our normal episode. This is probably one of those. Yeah, because tracks. the tone of Survivor is very different. The last one I can think of is the sexual assault episode in Thailand. Yeah. But like, I was mad. Yeah. It's hard to talk about something that's just a fucking <laughs> bummer. Well, we're gonna try. Yeah. For a whole episode. Get ready. Speaking of things that are a whole episode, emails. If you want to email us, feel free to do so. SurvivorTBT at gmail.com, or you can message us on Reddit, u slash SurvivorTBT. We do have one email, one email from Tyler. Tyler, to answer a couple questions, the last Pearl Islands episode, the cast would have seen before heading out was the Outcast Return Double Trial Austin Quit episode. Where Rupert looks like he's about to kill Johnny Fairplay. How does that work with Rupert coming back for the live finale then? Oh, maybe they filmed it before. Yes. Oh, okay. So they filmed Pearl Islands. So they were done filming. No, wait. So they were done filming All Stars by the time? Yes. Rupert was at the live Pearl Island finale? I believe so. Okay. Wow. <laughs> that timeline's all fucked up. Everything's fucked up. So Johnny Fairplay making the pitch for All Stars is a mood point because it already happened. Yes. He's just <laughs> fucking around. Correct. Okay. He would never... <laughs> yes, Ethan dated Borneo Jenna, but he also dated Amber. Right. And actually, at this point, at the beginning of his 10 year long relationship with someone else in the cast. So Stephen might have had that in his head. Also, kind of weird here, the guests kind of trash Ethan, who's the guy who uses winnings to start a charity and survive cancer as a person considered one of the most well liked players ever. Oh, I mean, yeah, he's well liked. He's not good at Survivor. That's fair. <laughs> no, he Ethan's a good guy. Yeah, one hundred percent. That's why. That's part of the reason he's bad at Survivor. Yeah, 
And then, do you want to know who Tina's blood versus water person is? Well, it's someone she's related to, right? Yes. Sure? I don't... Have we met them? No. God, no. Sure. Blood, blood versus water, the concept is someone we already know and someone we already don't who is their relative. Got it. Okay. Sure. Yeah, why not? Okay. Tina's relative is her daughter. Oh, okay. That's fun. Who we actually briefly see in the episode when they're doing online chats. Right. So it's yes. kind of cool to see uh-huh. that 13-year gap. I will say, for all the premises I've heard of, Blood versus Water is up there. It's like, up there. I, I, you might have to stab your own blood in the back. I do like Blood versus Water. Also, do you know the saying, blood is thicker than water, what that actually means? No, tell me. It is not a pro-family, like, family should stick through everything saying. Mm-hmm. The actual full saying is, the blood of the battlefield is thicker than the water of the womb. Meaning that, like, people you share life experiences with are more important than, mm. specifically in that, in that context, like, war experiences with, probably mean more to you than family that you got because that was your lo- your roll of the dice. Sure, 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 sure. Okay. I just think that's funny because it's one of those sayings that's used incorrectly. Got it. So if we're doing a three-tribe thing, can it be blood versus water versus oil? Is that one of the, like, where you put it in a tube and it all kind of separates? Okay, let's go with this for a second, Stephen. Okay. Who's oil? Uh, The slimiest of all the competitors. I was also thinking that. We get get a tribe of Hatch and Fair Play and four other people and just let them go. Could you imagine? I mean, that's essentially the concept of Heroes Heroes vs. Villain. But, like, man... Oh, it'd be pretty wild. It'd be pretty wild. <laughs> uh, anything else you'd like to talk about before we start the episode? Man, I'm just fucking bummed. <laughs> just sad. Everything's sad. Everything's sad. Well, I don't know. Do we want, do we need like an uplifting thing? Do we need to have like a moment to yes to bring? Okay, let's talk about happy things, Jared. What makes you happy? You said you were gonna change clothes, and you're still in your work clothes. That's fair. That doesn't make me happy. I just now noticed that we've been together for three hours today. Yeah, I'm still in my work clothes, and it is nine p.m. and that's upsetting. <laughs> So what was the question? I ignored it because I realized you were still in khakis. <laughs> well, what what happy thing do we want to do? What what makes you happy? It shouldn't take me this long to think of something. <laughs> I am a little concerned. Well, because now I'm just overwhelmed in sadness. That's um, fair. I mean, okay, we were at a buddy's house watching fantasy football. Yeah, or watching football yesterday, doing fantasy football. Sure, that was the thing where you ate the, the spicy wing. Yeah, correct. Aaron Rodgers hurting his ankle does make me happy. I don't like Aaron Rodgers, but the poodle or the doodle with the ball launcher, yeah, that made me happy. That that dog was adorable. The dog had a like ball launcher that it could put the ball in there itself, but it didn't want to. No, no, no. So it'd wait for Steven to do it and then would put its mouth directly in front of the cannon. <laughs> so it just got hit in the face over and over again and no thoughts, just vibes. I just want to just want to catch the ball, but it makes it much more fun if you back up. No. <laughs> Absolutely not. No catch, only obliterate. Now, I have to step in here. You are mocking future Vikings quarterback Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> Which, actually, the timeline works out pretty well. If he gets injured here and has to go, like, retire and then unretire, he's going to be a Vikings quarterback 
then I will do Bounty Gate. Kirk Cousins is on his last year. Oh my god, it works out too It works well. out perfect. I don't want this to happen, just to be clear. But it's just a, a vicious cycle of history repeating itself. The thing is, and we've now slowly devolved into a football podcast, so I'm sorry for everyone listening who doesn't <laughs> care about football. And I do feel like the overlap of people who care about football and people who care about Survivor, not a big overlap. No, correct. But Favre was likable. Rodgers isn't. But until all the until the crimes. Favre was likable until the crimes. I mean, for anyone, it's usually you're likable until the crimes. Right. Well, there's some people that are likable even without the crimes. <laughs> so, like, would you even be able to root for the Vikings that year? Yes, but I wouldn't be happy about it. Mm. Okay. Bumper. This episode came out on February 12th of 2004. A couple things happened in the week between episodes. The first thing being... Kanye West released his debut album, The College Dropout. I'm so sorry. I hate Kanye West. It is a good album. Kanye has very good music. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, after this, it's a little hit or miss for me, but that's a good album. I also hated Kanye for years before people realized that he was terrible. Oh, okay. I go. always didn't like his vibe. Jared, ahead of the curb. <sighs> Hating people ahead of the curb. I'm going I'm to stop you for a second. Jared had the best vibes of all time. <laughs> the other thing that happened... <laughs> the city of San Francisco, California, begins issuing marriage licenses to same-sex couples in response to a directive from Mayor Gavin Newsom. Nice. Who is now governor, governor of California. Governor yep. Gavin Newsom. Which is pretty cool. And uh, like, kind of considered like the first step towards national legalization of gay marriage. The number one song on the charts was The Way You Move by Outkast featuring Sleepy Brown. So Outkast still owning the top of the chart. I don't know The Way You Move. I probably do, but my brain isn't putting it together. Yeah, I don't, I don't either. I don't want to pull it up right now. That's fair. The top five movies are still at number five, Lord of the Rings, Return of the King. Number four, Along Came Polly. Number three, The Butterfly Effect. Number two, Miracle. And number one, Barbershop 2, Back in Business. Now, the one I decided to look up for this time, Stephen, was Along Came Polly. Because I was like, what the fuck is this? So. I think I, I vaguely know of Along Came Polly. Actuary Ruben Pfeffer, played by Ben Stiller, is so aware of the risks inherent in all situations that he is unable to risk anything. His bride, Lisa Kramer, played by Deborah Messing, seems perfect, but cheats on him during their honeymoon. Back home in New York City, his best friend, former child star Sandy, Philip Seymour Hoffman, urges him to attend a party. There, he meets an ex-classmate, Polly Prince, Jennifer Aniston, whose spirited ways sparks his adoration, but confound his neuroses. <laughs> what do you think about this movie, Stephen? I... This seems like a very safe early 2000s comedy. I'm going to go 72. It is a 27 audience. Holy shit. Or sorry, 27 critic, 47 audience. So it was bad. It is bad. <laughs> the, the what to know part has, though the supporting actors are funny, Stiller and Aniston don't make a believable couple, and the gross-out humor is gratuitous. Okay. I, I really hate that early 2000s like gross out humor myself i agree the 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 point about aniston and ben stiller that makes so much sense yep they don't they don't seem to have vibes it does not seem like there'd be good chemistry on the screen no and apparently they didn't <laughs> cool anything else that is it all right then let's get into the episode episode three shark attack <laughs> they did not want to tip their hand what this episode had going on at all they did not 
It's called Shark Attack. The sent the description is like one sentence long, talking about like when a survivor is attacked by a shark. A shark. And that's it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's the right move. I think any any attempt to reference the actual subject matter of the episode would be either like way too obvious and then like why watch the episode mm-hmm. or classless. Yeah. Yeah. And I do wonder if these are the descriptions they put on like a TV guide. They might be. Yeah. They might be exactly what goes in TV Guide magazine back in the day. Or on the actual like TV channel TV Guide. Did that exist at this time? Oh, definitely. I don't remember. No, Probably. 100%. Okay. I used it all the time because like Teferit was on TV because we didn't have like good cable for a while. Sure. Okay. I, I know exactly what you're talking about. We had it. Yeah. I just don't know when it came into fruition. Of when the TV Guide channel was alive. I'm going to say very confidently it existed. I'm assuming it's dead now. Because nobody needs that because of digital cable. But I do remember, like, it was just a... Like, it was just a scrolling set of things for a long time. And then they put in, like, a top-level screen of something. It was, like, sometimes ads, sometimes, like, actual shows... Yeah, or, like, trailers of stuff. Or yeah. Like, yeah. Like, you have to monetize that channel somehow, right? Anyway. Bug Bites are bad. Bug Bites are bad. But first, we have to talk about the theme song. Oh, yes. Tell me your thoughts about the theme song. It's busy. It's very busy. There's a lot going on. Why? There's just, there's a lot of different layers of vocals and instruments, or instrumentality and all of that. You're so close to what I want you to say. Why? Is it all the seasons layer on top of each other? It's all the seasons. Yeah, yeah. It's bits and pieces from every single season. And some of it works, a lot of it doesn't. I agree. I think the premise of throwing nods to every single season is great. Sure. I love that. However, they're trying to do too much at the same time. Yeah, I I definitely walked away from it being like, that was a lot. <laughs> the first time I heard it, when we're, we were doing the show, it, it gives me such a, like, it, it welled up in me. Like, I felt such good vibes. But then you take a step back on, on watch two, on watch three, you start to notice the, okay, this is, this isn't hitting the way it should. Yeah. That also explains why I kind of just, like, didn't notice the first. That's fair. Two times. It, it also might just be that, like, I was getting my notes ready and, like, not paying that mm-hmm. close of attention because I know this cast. So I don't have to pay attention to the intro hardly as much. Yeah, it's it's the they made the like yells from the first couple seasons a lot louder just so yeah. they could poke through. They they have the didgeridoo from Africa really hitting the the beats hard. They have the toward the end of the song the strings of Thailand come yep. in. Like it's it's so cool and it just doesn't work. Yeah. I agree. Oh, what a bummer. It's wasted potential. I want I I want to like browse YouTube and find someone who did it better cuz I'm sure there's I'm someone sure it exists. It has to. Okay. Anyway, yeah, it's bug time. We will Bug time, baby. There's there's a sloth illustrating how many bugs is going into everyone. Everyone's being eaten alive. Outside of the Australian outback is Panama the harshest conditions they've been in because of the bugs. Because we saw people get bit in other seasons, mm-hmm. but like, man, this is two seasons in a row of just absolute brutal head-to-toe bug bites. 
it's pretty bad. Again, Africa is a world in itself. Yeah, that's true. But I don't know what Africa wasn't like. It, it was intense. Don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. Surviving out there was intense, but like it was more dangerous. Yes. Like, oh no, we can get killed by a lion at any moment mm-hmm. versus constant discomfort and constant like nagging bugs and constant rain and all of this. Yeah, I think Panama is at this point the worst as far as constant nagging is. Yeah. I think the happy medium between constant nagging and absolute danger, the Amazon. I was going to say, I think it's the Amazon. The Amazon's my favorite environment they've been in so far. Mm. Yeah. Yep. It's fun. <laughs> you know what's, what's weirdly the best probably place that they've been so far? Borneo. Borneo. Yeah. <laughs> they got it right the first time. They sure did. <laughs> so yeah, on, on Mogo Mogo, Lex is being eaten alive. Jenna's being eaten alive. Jenna hates everything. I want to go home. This is the this Let's is just... the establishment of right. Jenna's a mess. Yeah. I understand emotionally why Jenna showed up in the first place. Mm-hmm. Logically, it drives me crazy. I, and I understand why she left. And she should have left. Mm-hmm. And clearly, I, clearly, eight days later, her mother passes away. You had, this was not a rushed decision. Mm-hmm. And so to spend all of that time and come down on the wrong side of it, it sucks, man. This spot could have been somebody else's. It could have. I think the hard thing that she alluded to is that she got worse and she got worse quickly. Yeah. So I'm, I, this is a process. But they have alternates. They like, do. You could, you could drop even the day before. And mm-hmm. I, listen, we're human. We make, like, and she knows it was a mistake. And I, like, I don't blame her. Mm-hmm. It's just kind of a tragedy. Cause like your spot could have gone to somebody else. And I kind of like, I don't think Jenna is as bad of a winner as, as you and our listeners do. But now I see why you do. Because that sort of taints her win a little bit in Amazon. That's fair. I, I, because we ranked them before that, I don't feel as much that way. Mm-hmm. But I can see why after years of it percolating in the background, it sort of seeps in that she, when, faced, when she faced adversity, she left. Even though that's not what happened. Mm-hmm. So it kind of, like, accidentally leaves a mark on her legacy as, as what I think is a pretty okay winner up to this point yeah it's it's so tough and we're gonna spend the whole episode talking about how it's It's the only thing in the episode that matters really it's true kind of kind of (laughs) yeah so we'll we'll come back to that because that's what the whole tail end of the episode is other than kathy kind of like i don't know what the fuck is wrong with this girl yeah yeah like she's like a zombie walking around yeah at Saboga, we we have such different vibes than what's expected. Everyone's everyone's just vibing. We have maybe nervous energy, maybe guilt is what they say. Yeah, I mean it's also a get your shit together. It is. It's it's a okay. We've hopefully isolated a problem. We got rid of a problem. Hopefully that brings it all together. We are the best tribe now, right? <laughs> right. Right. Uh, this tribe's a fucking mess. Tell me more. We'll we'll get to it when we get to the reward challenge, but yeah. Rupert, man. What the fuck are you doing? <laughs> a lot of what Johnny actually complained about in our interview is shining through. through this episode. Isn't that and, right? 
and things I point out in Pearl Islands, though passingly of like, I wonder what happens when Rupert faces adversity, kind of come through in this episode. That that is such an interesting point because we have not Pearl Islands. He didn't really face adversity. No, he won everything. He was at least to us the golden boy. He was selected to save Morgan, and then. Got blindsided. Got taken out while he was on top. He was never on the bottom, at least in his mind. And actually, I would say, he was just never on the bottom. Yeah. He got taken out because he was on the top. And as of right now, he's lost two straight immunity challenges. Could have maybe been three had we not had different situations. Well, and then a reward challenge. Yeah. Yeah. So, a reward challenge that he took upon himself to be the leader of. Correct. Yeah. So, Ethan's trying fish economy again. <laughs> Rupert. He says, Rupert's like, it's not a competition. Easy to say when you are winning the competition. Because I understand where Rupert's coming from. Mm-hmm. But he's relishing in the fact that Ethan can't catch these fish. Because it's good for him. Correct. You can't get rid of Rupert if nobody else can catch fish. If Ethan can catch fish, you can get rid of Rupert. You shouldn't, and you won't. But you could... So it's really good for him that Ethan cannot figure this out. He has a point, though. And this is probably the one part of the whole episode where I'm like, yeah, Rupert, I think you're in, you're in the green here. He He's trying to live in these tribe vibes. He's trying to say, okay, things are better. We don't have to be in competition with each other right now. We are one focused goal moving forward. But you know how you fix that? How? Go out there and teach him. That's a good point. You're not doing that because it's beneficial for you to be the only one that can catch them. So you can't say, and this is Rupert's problem, shut up and know your place. <laughs> Which is, he a very he's very emotionally intelligent, and he's very kind. But that is the undercurrent of that interaction. And they, they do kind of have that moment where he, he's kind of showing him the spear and showing him how it works. Yeah. But you're right. It, it's not much more than that. Is all right. Here, this is what we do. Although watching Ethan use the spear and then watching Rupert use the spear, I did notice a difference. Yeah, talk to in me their about form. That. Rupert is very patient with that spear, and mm-hmm. he was very patient with Pearl Islands with that spear. Different spear. That was a sling, but he's very patient, and he gets it on the first try, or he moves on to a different fish. Mm-hmm. At least that's what we see on camera. Ethan stabby stabby stab just tries multiple times and like no you if you after the first stab there's no point you've lost it with that spear with just a, a stick that you're lunging at them you're not going to catch it again that that is part of the problem is you're not using good fishing tools here you no. are using you're using one you made yourself yeah yeah and <laughs> Jerry is my favorite comment here I I hope he catches something it'll be good for his ego. <laughs> I am really liking Jerry this season. Yeah? I didn't dislike Jerry most of the time in Australia. Yeah, there's just that couple moments where you're I, like, oh, Jerry. I thought she got a, a, a villain edit where she didn't entirely deserve it. She, yes, she probably had the first, uh, I don't, they're pushing this really hard one direction and you can kind of tell. Counterpoint, kind of Jervis. <laughs> kind of Jervis, that's a good point. On, at Mogamogo. Hatch is also trying the fish economy, but we have a whole shark adventure. Yeah. So Hatch is out in the ocean. He is 
searching for fish to, to stab. And he, he stumbles upon a shark. And he sees the shark underneath a rock. He's like, oh, I can do something with this. Yeah. So he, he kind of patiently plots out his course. This is what I'm going to do. And then he grabs the tail. And then we don't know what to do now. Because <laughs> the shark isn't moving. The shark is stuck there and fighting him. But he doesn't want to let go of that tail because now the shark knows where he is. Right, and that he's keeping the tail pressed against the rock so it can't get out from where it is. Yes. So he's like lunging the spear into the rock area, doing his best, and it's not really working. Like, the fish still has a lot of fight in him. Yeah. And eventually he, like, tries to adjust, and that's when the shark gets out and... Bites him in the arm. <laughs> yeah. Straight up bites him. And by his telling of it, he's out there for like 30 minutes with this thing on his arm. I think it's probably closer to like 10 or 15 because like, you don't got a watch on you. No. And and I bet 10 minutes with a shark on your arm feels like 30. I bet it does. <laughs> I bet that felt like a long, long time. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Lots. I, I can't imagine how, like it didn't look like it was too deep. But still... Oh, painful, though. It's razor-sharp teeth into your arm. Yeah, and it bit down again harder. Correct. Yeah. It got him, readjusted, got him again. And so he's like, well, I guess I'm just going to swim towards shore, (laughs) hit it on a rock until it's dead. Okay. Of contestants, when it comes to actually surviving out in the wild, Mm -hmm. is Hatch the best we've seen? And that's a hard thing to gauge. I think we have the two top people here. Hatch and Rupert? Yes. But Rupert can't make a fire. Correct. Well, maybe Hatch can't either without matches shoved up his ass, I guess. (laughs) Part of me wants to say, yes, Hatch is one of the best survival experts here. Like, could, has the theory and goes out and can't do it. We've had the people who have the theory and can't do it. Yeah. Rupert has the can-go-out-and-do-it, but doesn't necessarily have the theory. No. So that's why I'm going to land on, yes, Hatch is the number one. Yeah, Rupert's just crypting all over the place out there. Which is just 1B Rupert. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to, since we have time in this episode... I didn't, I was, I was too embarrassed to stop the moment. Someone explain cryptid for me. <laughs> I love it when you get flustered like this, Steven. Just, let's, let's do it. Let's, uh, a, let's air out the dirty laundry here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, a cryptid is a, uh, primarily, like, native folklore being that is basically a shapeshifter. It's another word for, like, a, a shapeshifter that lives in nature. So, like... If you've ever heard, like, if you're on the TikTok side that's, like, Appalachia Mountains and, like, if you hear your name called, you don't answer. Oh, and shit like that. I've heard that story before. Or, like, Skinwalkers is a type of cryptid. It's, I don't think it's always, now that I'm saying that out loud, I don't think it's always shape changers, but, like, the Mothman is a cryptid. Okay. Like, folklore, horror things. Sure, Very sure. Americana. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Fun. We all learned something today. And by we all, I mean Stephen learned something today. <laughs> So, Hatch brings the shark to shore and is very celebratory, gives his whole fishing story, literal fishing story, to everyone, and everyone is just in awe. Colby's like, is it possible to call a gay man a stud? Yes, Colby. 
that's just that's yeah, life. It's, that's your insecurities popping it's up. It's 2003. Correct. When this was filmed. Sheehan's like, Hatch is a fishing god. And to be fair, that's very impressive. It is very impressive. She also says he has a small penis. <laughs> Within the same sentence, says he has a small penis. Yeah, it says like, he's not impressive downstairs, but he makes up for it in other ways. But like, Jesus Christ, Sheehan. But you know what, Rich? You deserve it. Yeah. You're you, the one walking around with that pants on. Keep his ego in check. Let's, let's, let's be fair here. <laughs> I normally I'd be like, don't don't body shame someone, but like, you know what, Hatch, you just keep walking around naked without anybody's <laughs> consent. Say whatever you want about him. Mm-hmm. And then while this is happening, or I should say after this is happening, everyone's kind of like talking it over, and Kathy's in the background just like full-on going psycho at this <laughs> shark with the machete. It's so funny. That That's the funniest scene I've seen in All-Stars so far. It's just... Because it's so understated, it's not the focus of what's going on, but Kathy is just, like, she has a machete, but it looks like she's using a club. Like, it is the machete, but she's she's just fucking going at it, man. It's these background moments that just make me so happy. Oh, yeah. It's it's un- unnecessarily happy. Just good stuff. Oh, okay. We get to Saboga. And hey, guess what? Tree Mail, sponsorships are back, baby. Hey, we haven't seen a sponsorship in a little while. Uh, quite a while. There wasn't any in Pearl Islands, I don't think. I don't believe so, no. Except for the car, probably. Correct. Well, yeah, okay. The car is is here to stay for a little while. Sure. For we haven't done, like, on Jeff's Visa, or, like, we haven't done, like... Brought the, to you by Target. Or the Coca-Cola fridge. Yeah. But yeah, no, this is... Home Depot threw some money at this. Home Depot threw some money, and... And Boy. early. It's it's episode three. Yeah. So while they're reading this note, it did stick out to me how many different Home Depot catchphrases that they tried to jam in that one yeah. note. It's bad. Yeah. It's it's corporate speak to the max and Survivor does it does not fit Survivor. No. It also makes me wonder if this is part of the reason why they were given so few supplies was like, well, we know we're gonna drop this crate day three, so That's that's not a bad idea. Mm. It's day six. Or, sorry, episode three. Yeah, day six. Day seven? Day seven. Doesn't matter. Yeah, they get 24 hours to build the best shelter they can using all of these tools. I'm assuming because they're taking away the tools once the 24 hours is done. Yes. And we have some good people for this because we have a construction worker. What the fuck are they doing? Just give it to Boston Rob right away. Who needs a challenge? Who needs... What the... He's... <laughs> what are we doing? Yeah, it's it's pretty lopsided in Boston Rob's favor. He immediately is like using like construction worker jargon, and then we go back to Rupert. That's like I'm a dig a log cabin. I'm like, what are we? What the fuck are we doing here? And in all fairness, this is not Survivor's fault. Kind of, this is the sponsorship's fault because you needed a home building challenge for Home Depot. Correct, and also. I thought it was weird originally that we were spending so long on yeah. this challenge. And then what happens later makes a lot of sense. This probably wouldn't have rubbed me that way if we didn't have to spend 20 to 25 minutes on it. Correct. We we do spend a good chunk of this episode because they had to. Well, yeah, think about all the content we lost. Like, we lost 
the the pre-tribal conversations, we lost tribal council. Uh-huh. We lost the voting. Yep. We lost the snuffing of the torch. That's like, why you that's can, fifteen to twenty minutes right there. You can usually tell when something weird is happening because things in the early episode get dragged out way longer than they should be. Yeah. It's pa- yeah, it's paced it's paced weirdly because it because yeah, it is. Yeah. Their shooting schedule ended up getting paced weirdly. Yeah. So essentially this challenge is the you people can't work together challenge because that's what it is on all three tribes. Yeah. It is okay, so obviously the other two tribes are only allowed to use four people. Yes. The two people that sat out what are they not allowed to do? I think like, from, from my understanding, it's just help with shelter. Okay. Like, we saw Kathy making food and True. literally feeding people mid-challenge. That That's something that gets messy, too. When you're going to do these, like, off-back-at-your-camp challenges, mm-hmm. when there's uneven numbers like this, like, that is a benefit. It now, is. they have so much time that I don't know how much of a benefit it is. Sure. And also, like... Can you help them strategize what you're building if you're off to the side? I don't know. I don't know. Who's to say? Who's to say? I mean, it doesn't matter because Boss and Rob is taking over this challenge for Shapira. And on Moga Mogo, I mean, I'm sure Hatch would chime in as much as possible because it's Hatch. I disagree. I think Hatch said nothing this entire challenge. Mm-hmm. I mean, he basically says, like, yeah, I don't want to do this. It's a lot of work. And then also, I think he kind of wants them to fail. That's that's fair. They don't. They don't. But I think he wants them to. I mean, they kind of do. They don't win. Sure, but they were never going to win. <sighs> I think he also has a great card to get out of this. He has the arm bite. <laughs> so if anyone's like, Hatch, why aren't you doing this? Uh... Um. Look at my arm. I'm arm. bleeding from a shark bite <laughs> that you got to eat. Also, like, immunity. I'll, I'll, I'll participate in immunity. Yeah, that makes more sense. So, yeah, Boston Rob takes over. He's like, this is what I do. And that makes so much sense. <laughs> oh, there was one thing I wanted to point out before this. Okay. Tom and Sue. We yes. have not seen a lot of that combination yet. Yep. There are so many volatile pairs yes. on this tri- on Saboga. Right? That's the Red Tribe? Shapira is the Red Tribe. Damn it. Shapira. I'll get used to the Three Tribe thing eventually. Yeah. There's so many volatile pairs on Shapira. You have... I mean, first of all, Boston Robin Amber being a showmance uh-huh. is volatile in like by nature. That's fair. Boston Robin Alicia constantly being combative. Boston Robin anyone. Is Boston Robin Rob. <laughs> like, not quite clicking or getting along it seems sue and big tom and like who knows what else like we haven't even seen sue and amazon rob interact yet yeah so ah uh, there's a lot it's so much good interesting dynamic in this show and i it, especially on that tribe yeah that tribe's the messy tribe and i'm here for it yeah yeah so boston rob like takes over he's like this is what i do rob sesternino gets delegated to the rock garden and it's really funny, the whole conversation. It's so funny. Because it's it's him and Alicia, and Alicia is not having any of it, because she's she's watching and she's like, he's using every excuse in the book to not do things. We have two separate people, Alicia and Boston Rob in confessionals, saying... 
that Rob Sesternino is just not trying this challenge. Like, Rob, uh, Boston Rob says something like he's always on a coffee break. <laughs> like, <sighs> I mean, th- that's the difference between him and Boston Rob is they're so different gameplay wise. Correct. They're both a little volatile, but in such different ways. And Rob, in his Survivor game, at this point in his life, still has some, like, fragile masculinity. Amazon Rob. Okay. Of, like, he says to Alicia, he's like, this is how my Survivor game goes. Like, I don't get to play with the boys. I don't get to play with the big boys. The big boys. Yeah. Yeah. He felt shunned by the men in Amazon, and so he took them out one by one. Uh Uh-huh. Mostly, but, but yeah, this, this. He, he found his out. He found his like oddballs in like Matt and Butch and worked with them. Yeah, but for the most part, stuck with the women, and it seems like that might be his strategy on this tribe too. Wouldn't be a bad strategy. So that happens might not oh. be a bad strategy. He he can't get Amber to work with him because Boston Rob, and I don't think Sue and Alicia are the most reliable of Alliance <laughs> members. <laughs> I do, I do also have to mention the faces he was making when Alicia was telling oh him God. to do things. Well, so she just funny. cuts right through the shit. Yeah. He's like making excuses and she's like, no, you're going to go. You're going to go do it. And he's like, oh, okay, I'm going to go. He's, he's so s- stunned that yeah. someone would like say that. It's really funny. It's it's good. Uh, at And Amber is down bad. That's the other thing you forgot. Yeah. Amber has that confessional of like, getting easier and easier to flirt with Boston Rob, huh? I thought I was just flirting with him for the game, but he was building that house real good. (laughs) At first I was like, hmm, Boston Rob is a joke. I don't think it's a joke anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's fair. At Saboga, Rupert's building the shelter. I want to build it down into the sand. And Jerry's like, that's dumb. Don't do that. And Jerry's right. Jerry's correct. As we see later in the episode, that's a bad idea. Rupert's Achilles heel that we didn't see a lot in Pearl Islands, but we're seeing more now, is his inability to listen to people around him. My way or the highway, baby. Yeah. Yeah. And that works when your way is a good way, and your tribe is willing to do that, but your way this time was a bad way. It was a bad way. (laughs) Yeah, and no one wants to step up and tell him he's wrong, because Jerry does. Jerry does. Jerry but tells him he's wrong. And Ethan would be stupid too. Correct. Oh no, and he talks about it. He's like, I'm gonna I'm gonna let this play out because why would I stop this? Yeah. I'm in the hot seat. I need to not be in the hot seat. Anyone but me. Anyone but me. He learned from Sandra. Th- yeah. Well, this is almost the Johnny Fairplay method. That's true. Except he didn't instigate it. He, didn't he just inst- let it happen. Yes. He he knows that he's <laughs> in he's in the spot. Oh, here's these two people fighting. Perfect. The Johnny Fairplay method would have been for, to have Jerry come to him and be like, hey, this isn't really, I don't think this is a good idea. And to then yell at Rupert, hey, Rupert, she doesn't think it's a good idea. Jerry thinks this is a bad idea. <laughs> you should say something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. On Mogamogo, Colby and Lex are building. Sheehan and Jenna are helping. Helping. I'm sure they helped more than was let on. That's, yeah. Hatch is an unreliable narrator with Correct. shit like this. Correct. Absolutely. And really what this is, this section is emphasizing that Jenna's out of it. Jenna's not playing this game anymore. 
Yeah. I just, I'm just like, Jenna, don't do this. I want you to be more than this one thing. And that's at this point in the episode. And I'm, I was wrong. And she made the right choice. Yeah. She just made the wrong choice first by coming onto the show in the first place. Correct. Yeah. yeah. So, Sabog is working at night because the decision that they made was a bad decision. <laughs> yeah! They dig to the point, they dig, try to dig three feet down, and there is a tree trunk at the bottom uh-huh. of that. What a, what a bummer. One, that you made a bad decision to dig down. Two, you're, it's compiling on itself exponentially because now there's this thing that you cannot move. You don't have the time or the tools to get rid of it. Correct. So you're fucked. You gotta just leave it's it. such a bad design. Such a bad design. Makes me happy. Yeah. <laughs> Drama. Someone has to lose. And, man, how quick the vibes have shifted. And everyone's acknowledging that we were the we were the vibes tribe for maybe a day, four hours. Rudy, this is the problem with Rudy going home. Rudy would have told them it was fucking stupid. Yes. Rudy been like, that's a dumb idea. But I think Rupert would have listened to Rudy and not to Jerry. Yeah. I wonder why. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let you read between <laughs> the lines on that one. <laughs> Listen, and that's not to say that Rupert's a bad guy. We don't know everything with a TV show. But, like, hey, we all have blind spots, you know? No, I think Rupert is a good guy. Yeah. Like, I I genuinely like Rupert. Yeah. And he is insufferable in this Survivor scenario. Correct. That just is what it is. <laughs> Nobody's perfect. Nobody's perfect. And then Jeff shows up with the contractor. <laughs> this is so funny to me. So... I don't think Jeff and this contractor talked about this very much beforehand. <laughs> no. Because I wrote down that Jeff looked scaroused. <laughs> Mark him down as scared and horny when the inspector just started fucking yanking on shit. He does. He, he was told, I'm assuming, to go in and expect these for one, structural integrity, two, good design, and three, just how it looks, aesthetically pleasing. And he just goes in and he's like, like I went, aye, aye, Cap'n. Got it. Shake the thing. <laughs> he does. He, he grabs the shelter, every single one, and this, just, just shakes it. This poor contractor. Why? Okay. Listen, I'm all for, for using the local population, give them jobs, all of that. Mm-hmm. This poor man that does not speak, like, more than a couple words of English. That has clearly not been debriefed on what is going on at all. And then just coming into these these strange Americans and being told, like, yeah, just, like, yank around on the stuff they built. And you know what? He steps up to the task. See, but part of me is, like, Survivor, you have... This is a large country. There is someone who is either a contractor or so, a job of the type and can speak English. Or a translator. That, too. We had options. We because chose none of them. He obviously speaks enough to be able to like communicate like simple ideas to Jeff. But like when they're following around, like pitching their ideas to him, do you think that guy's understanding a word of what they say? No, probably not. Not at all. Because Jeff is trying his best to throw in Spanish words. The four he learned before starting this challenge. Whenever he can, and it just it it's not working, Jeff. Not working. Uh, favorite parts? Do you have favorite parts from this? Because I do. Uh, go ahead. Number one, <laughs> the 
Shapira tribe putting the contractor on the swing. Yes. Hilarious. He looks so uncomfortable. He did not want to be on that swing. No! <laughs> to the Saboga tribe when he's going around like looking for things that are wrong. And every single time he grabs something, it's something that's wrong. Oh, yeah. And Rupert trying to explain it away. Like, no, 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 no. That's, uh, we designed it that way. It's for water. Uh, those are my favorites. Do you have favorites? Uh, not in particular. I, I do want to say this challenge for a normal season I probably wouldn't have liked. I kind of do like it for an All-Stars challenge. Ooh. Because it's... In Norway, I'm not, I'm not in on injected drama. Mm-hmm. But this injects some drama in with a cast that mostly... Maya Shapira <laughs> knows not to be dramatic. Okay, and forces mistakes. It like mistakes that can be talked out and have you have time to prep and time to like work through. And Saboga just didn't. I have gone on record and said I don't like at camp challenges. I mostly agree with you. I don't like. Anything that could be deemed as... Subjective? Subjective. Yeah. Though this one... It's not. It's not. It's not. This was a, We had a very clear winner, and every time we've had a subjective challenge like that, it's been clear as day, or at least the framing from, from the editors is clear as day. Yeah. I mean, they show us the final product, yeah. so... And this is better than the SOS challenge. Oh, easily. But... I'm still not not a huge fan. That's fair. I, I do like that they have to live with their con- with the consequences <laughs> yeah. of this challenge, though. Yeah, Saboga Shelter is unusable. <laughs> what makes you say that? It's on a beach! <laughs> it dug into the sand during rainy season. So you think they're just going to abandon it? I don't know. I think at some point... like I, I give it three days before that thing is flooded. We're going to find out. That's one episode. <laughs> one episode for that thing to go into the water. Yeah, that's also the thing, is when, for the most part, we don't see the post-challenge stuff. They just kind of go move on to the next one. Yeah. But we have to see Sabogas because it's so important. Yeah. Because they walk away, not very far, apparently. Because <laughs> they walk away, and they're like trying to talk without using language very much, because they can't communicate all that well together. Right. And the contractor very much goes in hard because he's like, that's ter- That's a bad idea. Like, no, yeah. it's dangerous. The water is going to go in there. It's going to flood. It's going to be terrible. Yeah. And Saboga tribe is sitting over in their shelter. Watching wa- him communicate that with hand gestures yep. and being like, he doesn't like it. He hates it. He hates it so much. Oh, God. Well, we didn't win this one, did we? And everyone, including Jerry, is like, it's not your fault, Rupert. And I'm like, yes, it is! Very much his fault. And he knows it. Yeah, and they know it. We don't need to pile on. Yeah. We get it. No, I agree. (sighs) Yeah. So. Also, something I learned for when you're inevitably on Survivor, Steven. Mm Mm-hmm. Wear heavy, thick clothes. Correct. You can take off layers, but when it gets cold, you're just in a tank top and you're sad. Correct. Which is why I think Pearl Island is a little devious that you just got thrown in with what you're wearing. Yeah. Because that could be real bad. They did it during the dry season, though. That's fair. But still, not great. 
It's going to be cold. close. Yeah. Anyway, Shapiro wins. Mogamoga gets second. Mogamogo thinks it's them on the drop because their beaches are close enough. Yeah. And it's really funny when they go, yes, yes, no, <laughs> not us. Because right, the drop master, as we've seen in other seasons, has to give it some time for it to float down to where they need it to. It's a hard job. It's a hard job. That's a lot of math. Or just iron it and iron it real good. <laughs> gut math. Gut math. Yeah, we love gut math. So Shapiro wins. They get tarp. They get pillows. And they get wine, baby. And they get drunk so fast. Yeah. They haven't had food. They, they haven't had food. They don't really drink a lot of water. Shit would hit hard. And they might be drinking water by now. I mean, they are drinking water. More water. Because they're not dying. Right. Yeah, that's something we didn't talk about. The turnaround in, like, their health and mood from after they got Flint, Mm -hmm. night and day. Yes. He's such a big deal. I agree. I hope Survivor learned a lesson from that. Why? Because watching people just waste away and be nothing is not fun. (laughs) Yeah. Why would Survivor learn things, Jared? People starving? That's fine. Like, that's, okay, that's part, gather through this part of the game. I will take that completely out of context. Sure, yeah. The clock is so much shorter on dehydration. (laughs) Yes, correct. And the consequences are so much more severe. Yes. Uh, While everyone's drunk, Thomas, hilarious, again, being drunk. It's just his nature. Being funny and drunk, not being drunk. Boston Rob is having a, a little, oh... She thinks she's playing me. I think I'm playing her. There can only be one winner. But also, they're flirting. Yeah. They're very much flirting. A lot of other targets can get rid of first. Uh Uh-huh. And then the storms hit. Yikes. The storm hits and... Her shelter gets an immediate test. Yeah, here's your your test. And Mogamogos doesn't hold up. I mean, I'm sure Sabogas doesn't hold up. We don't even see theirs. We don't even see it. Because it's not the point. Because this is about how miserable Jenna is. Yeah. And she kind of like... think they could have used a little bit of that extra time of not having tribal council to show us how the all three shelters held up, but nah. Nah. Because nah. right away in the morning, Jenna's like, guys, bring it in. I think I'm, I quit. Uh, I think I'm out. I can't do this. My mom's at home ill. I, I need to go home. Which is weird that we also have the formalities of going to tribal or to the immunity challenge to then do this over again. I I don't know if she was like I need to leave right this second. I think she would have. Yes. I, for wh- whether it was the well, show, whether no. Was- At this point, I would I'm gonna push back against this and say the show would not let her do that. Really? Because they handle this really well. And there's a difference between I need to go right now because I don't feel well versus I need to go right now because I am having a, I'm having intuition that my mom is dying right now. Mm-hmm. And I think the the only reason that we had to wait until the immunity challenge is because we needed to do it in open forum. Oh, okay. Otherwise, they would have been just like, yeah, go home. I did. She did seem very sure of herself when she was at that point. Yes. And but you know. Then again, we don't know the logistics of the island. It could be that challenge, like, they were leaving for challenge 30 minutes later, and it's like, hey, that's on the way anyway. Like, Who knows? Yeah. I may be giving the show too much credit in that. I just, I am genuinely impressed with the way they handle this, and 
the lowest of hanging fruit of compassion is my mother is actively dying of cancer. Yeah. It you would have to be a monster to not be able to have some understanding there. But they grab the low hanging fruit. So yeah. good for them. So before we get to that, <laughs> I just want two things, two notes from Kathy here. Kathy. <laughs> Kathy. <laughs> Kathy always one with words. One, she says she should not be here, which is like, yes, you're correct, Kathy. And she says it in a confessional. Yeah. And she's like, they're sitting in their mortality, and she's, it's real. She's like hugging her and like getting moments with her, which is great. And then, not in a confessional, she says something along the lines of like this environment right now and like This you, negativity. This neg- it's becoming a bit of a cancer. That's eating away at all of us. Dude. Come on, read the fucking room, Kathy. Kathy. That's fucked up. And again, it, I'm sure it was, like, not intended to be that No, way. of course not. It's probably a turn of phrase that she uses often, but... Jesus. My God. Oh my God. Not, not great. So yeah, we go to the immunity challenge. There is no immunity challenge. Jeff's going down the line, because I'm sure he was given word that this was probably going to happen. Yeah. Because he goes, all right, uh, Sabogo, what's what's good? Mogo Mogo, how you feeling? You having good times? I don't really understand. Jenna? <laughs> yeah. Jenna, what's up with you? What's up with Jenna? I don't really understand why he gets everyone's opinions on this. Their opinions, I mean, they don't really matter. The other contestants. I think this is him filling time. Maybe. I think this is him knowing or being ordered to, okay, we need as much reaction shots or we need a reaction from every single person. You know, I did cut down from there. This also is probably very helpful for Jenna and is probably a decent amount of closure. It actually could be a thing of compassion. Like, hey, we all support you. Mm -hmm. Kind of a talk. I, I highly doubt he suspected anyone was going to be like, this is bullshit, or like, you know, whatever. Like, they're all gonna say, like, oh my god, I'm so sorry, I wish you well, some version of that. Or like, a couple people, I think, like, Big Tom was like, you know, I told my family if they died in a car crash, don't contact me, I'll deal with it when I'm back. Like, yeah. Okay. Weird to say right here, Big Tom, but alright. Most of it was, like, very genuine heartfelt support and that's probably i mean that that might be helpful for her to hear on the way out yeah they put everyone in a, a position of all right you either give her support or you say that this is a game and like shit's tough yeah and some people chose the latter which was impressive big balls big, of steel. big balls of steel i mean alicia wanted to tell like it is that's just who she is like yeah, yeah. i and it's i don't think alicia was out there to be like no, you fucked up. Yeah. I think she was out there to say, I don't know why you're here. When And I don't know why she's there. Yeah. I mean, like, people are messy. People are complicated. I'm sure her mom pushed for her to go back. Her <laughs> mom pushed for her to go the first time. She made a bad decision. I think she would... I don't know how she feel about it 20 years later. I'm sure she would say the same thing. She kind of said it then. Yeah. You don't need to dog on her about it. Imagine if she had been the first quit. I wonder Survivor... I think her quitting actually might help the show to handle future quits better.
Tell me about that. What do you mean? Well, Austin's quit was handled terribly. Correct. They spent the entire time shaming him. Mm-hmm. The show cannot do that here. They cannot mm-hmm. do the passive-aggressive, no-torch shit at the end. They can't drag her through the mud at a reunion. They can't... Jeff doesn't get to grandstand about it. Because her mom died of cancer eight days later. Yes. Oh, she made the right decision. There is zero ambiguity as to what was the right choice. Yep. I mean, the right choice is not coming out here in the first place. But once you're there, she made the right choice. And also, I want to talk about, like, I might have mentioned this before in passing, but, like, we know so much more with our intuition yep. than we let on. Yeah. Like, something in her mind over nine days out there went, you know, all you have to do out there is think. Or, as Johnny Fairplay put it, count bug bites. <laughs> she probably... Yeah. It, whatever she saw that she did not recognize when she was home, she realized it was worse than she thought when she left. Yep. And he, he, here's here's my theory. The, they were cast months ahead of time. Yes. She was preparing. She was ready to go. She knew that, like, mom was struggling, but, like, stable. Yeah. And then... A few weeks beforehand, things get bad. Maybe even days. Days beforehand, yeah. And she's put in a spot where she has to say, okay, I have to either go or give this up. And she's, and I'm sure everyone around her was saying, no, 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 you have to do this. She's going to be fine. Like, she'll tough it out. And imagine you're an alternate, like, and you, and you watch the season, like, Obviously, it's not about you. Yeah. And you're going to feel that, too. But your party's going to be really mad. Sure. I don't know. There's worse There's worse ways you could go. So, you, you briefly mentioned, and I, we're getting toward the end here, but you briefly mentioned that it helps them toward future quits. Say that you have a not empathetic quit like this. What? How does Survivor handle that? I don't know. I just think now a precedent has been set. That you can show empathy when somebody quits. Because they were forced to. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying it's going to be... I'm not saying whatever the next quit is, if it's not like... If it's not a medical evac. I guess that's not technically a quit. Because that's the show telling you you gotta go. Sure. (laughs) Or like... You You don't have a choice. Yeah. You didn't make a choice. Something happened to you. If it's not something with these extreme circumstances, I'm not saying they're going to show this level of empathy. But it at least softens it up a little bit. Because, like, I don't know. I'm trying to think. Hypotheticals are so hard. Yeah. But if there was something that wasn't as devastating as, hey, I think my mom is going to die tomorrow, but it's still a big deal in the family. Hell, if Johnny's grandmother lie had been real. Yeah. (laughs) Like, and, and he leaves. Like, I think that the show would probably not handle that as well. Pre-Jenna versus post-Jenna. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Then, I mean, she doesn't get an exit confessional. No. I mean, she couldn't have. They she, would yeah. They, I think that's probably part of why they wanted her to go to tribal council, actually. Yeah. I think they wanted... And I, I, I believe that Jeff, like, probably would have snuffed her torch. Well, they were, they were definitely pushing for that. And yeah. Well, as opposed to Austin... Or, sorry, it would, it would have been, like, with Austin's, it was like... Snuff, get out of here. Yeah. It would have been handled differently. More kindly. Yeah. Hopefully. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. We 
don't see any more of Jenna. That sucks. Th- this is the last of Jenna. For now. As far as we know. Sure. They, there's always time. She was the youngest person on her original season, and she was the youngest person on this season. Wow. So, by all means, there is still time. And this is another reason why I think it was a mistake for her to go on this season. And is a lesson for you, me, listeners, watchers everywhere. Like, sometimes it is better just to say no. Because saying yes and then having to change your mind back to no yeah. can be more detrimental. Like, do you think she ends up on Micronesia or uh, Heroes versus Villains? I mean, I don't really... She's not really either one of those. No. But does she end up on a, on a future be... returnee season if she doesn't come to All-Stars and then have to quit so early? I think Jenna could probably play on a new season if she wanted to. Sure. When, whenever she wanted to. I don't know if she wants to. That's fair, too. And I, I wouldn't blame her if she doesn't want to. There's yeah. a lot of there's a lot of baggage there, and there's a lot of, like, she got hers, she won. Oh, and she made a bunch of money afterwards. Yeah. She did, however, go on The Amazing Race. Oh, cool. With her then-boyfriend, Ethan. <laughs> which is hilarious. I, I was wondering when, when it was, when you got confused, when the email said you got confused on them, I was like, I, I was like, it's definitely the other Jenna then. Yeah. Everything is... They Name, make a cute couple. They, yes. And I'm looking at a promotional photo for that amazing race. It is cute. All in all, why does everyone in Jenna's life get cancer? Jared. I feel so bad for her. Jared. I feel so bad for her. Oh, uh, well, that's a good point. All right. Oh, it, it, your protagonist of the episode. I mean, it's again Jenna. Yeah. The only other protagonist it could be is Rupert, but his actions don't have consequences yet. So fair. Yeah, I mean, and that's it's interesting because we didn't talk about protagonists of the first episode because mm-hmm. um, we had two guests and it's a very rapid fire <laughs> all over the environment. Shit. I don't know if there was one in the first episode because it's a first episode. If there was one, it's actually probably Ethan from the first episode. But beyond that, we could go the entire season and the person who goes home could be the protagonist every episode because this is a season of people who know how to play the game. There's very few, if any, jobbers on this season. Mm. The only one that really, in I think, could be in contention is, like, Amber? Okay. Maybe Sue? Sure. I'm trying to think of who's on the... I don't think... Sue's too outspoken for that, I think. True, but she could just do nothing and, every, and like be mad about it, and then everyone votes her off. Sure. Okay. Fair. So, yeah, I, I think that... We'll see what happens, because I don't think it will be, but there's a world in which the show focuses on the person who goes home every single episode. Mm. Because they're all interesting. Fair. All right. Anything else you want to say? It's a bummer, man. It is a bummer. And poor Jenna. And I wish we got to see more of her on other seasons, or wish we could have seen her play a returnee game, because, again, I think she's a better winner than other people give her credit for, and I think this, the circumstances of this, not her decision, but the circumstances kind of tank her legacy a little bit. Yeah. Yep. I agree. Bumper. That'll do it for this episode of the Survivor Turning Back Time podcast. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for getting through this sad vibes. Sad vibes all around. 
Yeah. Uh, anything you'd like? To... Boop, 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 boop. Anything you'd like to promote, Jared? Did you just reboot? Yeah. <laughs> it was me pushing the laundry buttons. Boop, boop, boop. Boop, boop, boop. Uh, you can factor your set. Just I have some hot sauce for you that'll make it happen. God. Uh, no, I'm gonna promote trusting your gut hmm. because I also didn't talk about it talk a lot about this episode but it also takes a lot of strength for jenna to do what she did to trust her gut and go no something's not right and i need to go home that's a very brave decision yeah and there's a world in which her mom had hung on another year and tabloids ran her through the mud for it yeah so yeah trust your gut can i get really real for a hot second Sure. My grandfather, both my grandfathers died of cancer. The first one to die of cancer, I was in 11th grade. So I was like pretty much an adult. Mm. He, He had been fighting cancer for a long, long time. And he was living in, like they moved him to a specialty unit in the nursing home, like pretty close to my high school to essentially... It was hospice. Yeah. He was, he was done. He, we were just waiting. And I was very busy in high school, so I did a lot of things. And I was rehearsing for a, it was called Madrigal Dinner. It was essentially like a medieval times dinner. Okay. And we were rehearsing and I put my phone down and... I saw that someone, like, my dad called me. I was like, I'll get to it. It's fine. Sure. Calls, calls, calls. I didn't see the extra calls. Mm -hmm. And it it was until the point that he came through the door. It's like, you need to go. Like, we need to go right now. Mm -hmm. And I missed seeing my grandfather by, like, seven minutes. (sighs) So... Trying not to, try yeah, not to turn it's okay. Tear you can up here. cry. Um, hug your loved ones. It's also not your fault. Yeah, no, it's not my fault, and it's not something I like blame myself for. Okay. I did exactly what, like, good boy, lawful neutral Stephen. <laughs> ah, someone's calling me. I should turn my phone off on si- or turn it on silent sure. and not be looking at that. Um, yeah, hug your loved ones. Keep them close. Tell them how much they mean to you. put some other type of end music on this. That's a good point. It's gonna be weird to have That's not the song. I don't know what that is. I kinda wanna just put you under it now. From a co-host Jared, this is Steven. Right, that's Steven, this is Jared. Why? Kansas a bitch, y'all. Yeah.